Good. Jazakallah Thank you so much. So, yes, we were talking about just the same way when you look at a building, you don't have to, you don't, nobody would be, you know, uh, uh, you know, stubborn, so stubborn that say, I don't see the builders of this building. So uh, uh, where? Where? Prove, prove to me. Who built this building? I don't see the guy putting the bricks there. So therefore, I don't believe in it. You know, nobody would say that. The moment you see a nice art piece, you say, I can see a piece of the artist inside of it. I can get a flavor or an idea of what this person was about based on their work, based on the excellence in their work, and so on and so forth. So you see the uh, uh, creator behind the creation. So in the same way, subhanAllah, you see these alamat uh, al-sa'ah, you see these signs of judgment day, and you say, subhanAllah, this is like Allah Ta'ala being manifest in front of me. So what are the actual signs? Number one is that the slave girl will give birth to her master. What does that mean? One, there's many different interpretations. One is that Islam will spread, and Muslims will conquer many lands, and, uh, uh, and they will uh, get, let's say, jariyah, like a, a, you know, a servant girl, to, uh, and then, subhanAllah, when those, the, the, the servant girl gives birth to that man's child, now that man's child will be like a lord over her or working for her. Now, this is one interpretation, but this doesn't make much sense. And the reason is because we all know, we, or we should know, that in Islam, if a, a slave girl does get uh, impregnated by her master, then therefore the master can no longer sell the slave. And once the, uh, the, the, the master dies... Therefore, she is free. That's according to fiqh. So that's not, that's not permissible uh, at all. The idea that, oh, the, the woman still goes back into slavery and that the child is now uh, lording over her, that is nonsense. So that doesn't work. Uh, however, some people would say that exactly, people are unaware of the rules of Islam, and so the child does behave like a master over the uh, mother. And so subhanAllah, this is an indication that people will be ignoring fiqh. Wallahu ta'ala alam, that seems to be one indication. However... It seems to be that the most preferable position, it seems that the strongest position, is simply that it's describing brats. <laughs> a brat. What is a brat? A brat is when a child, right, acts like they're the boss and the parents are the servants, right? And that's exactly, wallahu ta'ala a'lam, that the mother giving birth to her servant, uh, 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 sorry, the mother giving birth to her master is implying what? That the parents will run around and serve the children instead of the children serving the parents, which is what it's supposed to be. And so, subhanAllah, we have certain movements nowadays that very much disparage motherhood and talk about motherhood as, oh, what, you're just like a housewife? And they treat it like it's a negative. When, subhanAllah, Islam raises and elevates the status of a mother and teaches our children that you have to love and respect and honor your parents because motherhood is the greatest job that anybody can have. Clearly, I mean, think about it. If you're an engineer and you build a bridge, nobody cares if that bridge falls apart. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. If you blow up that bridge tomorrow, too bad. Nobody cares. Uh, raising a child... If, something, if a single little scratch happens to that child, we care, right? A child is much different than, let's say, I don't know, you built a building or you built a bridge or you built a this or a car or whatever. Yeah, those things are nice, but they're not a human. A human's more important. So subhanAllah, we should never disparage motherhood and we should elevate it and raise it and honor it to the point that we don't let our children become uh, uh, the lords over their parents, uh, specifically their mothers. And then the whole idea of the barefoot, destitute, goat herders competing with one another in construction. SubhanAllah, I don't know if anybody's aware, but this is like literally happening. Uh, 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 so SubhanAllah, just a few years ago, certain uh, Gulf countries, they had no money whatsoever. And these people were literally, uh, you know, like shepherds in the desert. And then a few years later, they strike oil. And now these people are vying with one another and competing with one another uh, to literally see who can have the tallest building. And you can go online and look it up, you know, where's the tallest building in the world? I think it's Dubai. And, but, but that's going to be beaten by, I think, in uh, uh, Riyadh, I think, is trying to build the second, uh, uh, biggest one. I can't remember. Sorry? In Jeddah. 
Jeddah, my bad, in Jeddah. And then, and then, you know, they have, so they're going back and forth, <laughs> and they're trying to see who can, it's literally happening. And now nobody could have foreseen this, because again, nobody knew about oil. And by the way, this I think is subhanAllah truly uh, amazing, just the fact that Ibrahim salam was told, go build the Kaaba in the middle of nowhere. Now anybody who was, you know, rebellious would have said, Ya Allah, there's no vegetation here, there's no life here, there's no point, there's nothing good here. Allah Ta'ala would have said, listen, I know better, okay? I know that the biggest thing this is going to be what? Oil. So you guys are going to be actually quite rich because of this. And guess what? Once the oil runs out, what's the next biggest thing? Solar power. SubhanAllah. You know, the whole desert. It's, you know, I saw an article online. They were saying that the, the desert could uh, uh, power the whole, or the whole earth. It has enough. If you put up solar panels in the whole uh, uh, you know, um, Sahara Desert, you could have enough energy to power the whole world, but you'd have to actually you know, have good enough batteries to preserve it. And that's what Elon Musk is working on, right? Like those really good batteries to, so he can transport it. So anyway, Allah, a couple of years from now, the Muslims have oil, and then after the oil runs out, those Muslims have the most amount of sunlight. So it's like, listen, I know you don't see anything good about this land, but I'm playing the long game. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a chess game. I'm, I'm setting it up. I'm setting up the board. Wallahu ta'ala alam. It seems that, subhanAllah, there seems to be a lot of deep wisdom as to why Mecca is where it is. But anyway, unfortunately, instead of using that for good reasons, it seems that the Muslims are taking all these blessings and just squandering them, uh, which is unfortunate. But that's what's happening. And so what are they doing? They don't know what to do, so they build the tallest buildings because they think that's important. SubhanAllah. And in both of these signs of Judgment Day, you have a consistency. Things will be upside down. What does that mean? The parent is supposed to be the leader of the child. The intelligent person is supposed to be, the educated person, the civilized person, is supposed to be the leader of the uncivilized and the uneducated. Unfortunately, the signs of Judgment Day are what? That the child is going to be ruling over the parent, and that the ignorant are going to be ruling over the intelligent. Everything's going to be flipped upside down. And that's why Allah Ta'ala then stops the earth and spins it from the other way, and the sun rises from the west, and that's it. That's when everything finishes. So, yes, the idea here is what? That these are rich people that don't know what to do with their wealth. And by the way, if you go to, which, actually, funny enough, my brother actually did this. My brother was in Dubai, and they were bragging to him. They're like, oh, see, this is actually the tallest building in the world. And he was saying, um, do you guys know about the hadith? There's a hadith about this. They're like, yes, the Prophet ﷺ talked about this would happen, but he never said it was bad. So the hadith doesn't specifically say that these people of the desert, these, these shepherds, will be competing in buildings, and that's evil. It's not specifically mentioned. And so they say, look, it just says that we'll do it, and we're doing it. So it's not a problem. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so they, they're technically right. <laughs> I don't know, I find it funny. But anyway, Allah Adam. So yes, we know that, um, uh, uh, yeah, so that is, that is uh, you know, their justification. If you go to the Middle East and ask them why they're doing exactly what is signs of judgment, they'll say, look, it wasn't criticized. It just says that that's a sign, so we're doing it. Um, yes. Uh, yes, so you see that parents are, lead the, uh, parents are supposed to lead kids, not vice versa. Intelligent and educated and civilized are supposed to lead the uncivilized, not vice versa. We know there are many hadith that talk about the liar will be believed and the truthful, the truthful will be denied on Judgment Day or, or close to the, uh, as a sign of Judgment Day. The ignorant will speak and the scholars will remain silent. The Muslims should be leaders, but instead we are being followers. So all of this is showing what? Backwardness, subhanAllah. And now, inshallah ta'ala, just to close off, the, finally the hadith ends with, قَالَ ثُمَّ إِن طَرَقَ فَلَبِثْتُ مَلِيًّا ثُمَّ قَالَ لِي يَا عُمَرْ أَتَدْرِي من السائل قلت الله ورسوله أعلم 
Beautiful hadith. That finally, then, uh, this inquirer, he went on his way, this man, whoever, this mysterious person, he got up and left. And then, uh, after a little while, Umar turned to me, uh, sorry, the Prophet turned to me, speaking to, uh, about Umar, uh, he says that the Prophet turned to me and said, what? Oh, Umar, do you know who this person was? Do you know who this person asking questions was? And he says, Allah and his messenger know best. And then he said, it was Jibreel, he came to teach you about your deen, your religion. So this teaches us a few important points. Um, Number one, how can you say, how can the Prophet say that Jibreel came to teach us our religion when the Prophet was giving all the answers? Anybody know? Is it because the Rasul, my Antifan is Hawa, so all those answers were originally kind of revealed to the Ah, interesting. Very nice. That's a good answer. So, yeah, the answer was that because the Prophet ﷺ, he's receiving wahi, and perhaps he's receiving that from, uh, you know, Jibreel, obviously, ultimately from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's one possibility. But it seems that another one, one answer that I came across, which I thought was quite nice, is that uh, the Prophet says what? Whoever indicates towards a good is like the one who did it. So even though Jibreel was asking the questions, he was encouraging the answers. And because he was indicating and pushing people towards good, it's like he was the one doing it himself. How beautiful. How beautiful is that this, this hadith, as we mentioned, it came near the end of the life of the Prophet Keep in mind, at the beginning of the life, uh, beginning of the prophethood of the Prophet Sallallahu Read. I, I don't know how to read. Now, at the end, what's happening? I want to know about this. The Prophet Sallallahu giving an answer. I want to know about this. The Prophet Sallallahu gives an answer. You see the, 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 the switch. This is a classic what? When the student becomes the teacher. SubhanAllah. The idea is what? That the Prophet Sallallahu he began as a nervous student who was receiving wahi. I don't know, I don't know. I can't read, I don't know what you're talking about. And subhanAllah, now that, that was their relationship at the beginning. Now the relationship at the end is what? Jibreel is coming to him, tell me about this, tell me about this, tell me about this. The Prophet was giving answer after answer. This is showing what? I, made, I, I, I taught him so well. I, I truly made a good student out of him. Look at this. Now I can, like you know when a teacher wants to brag and says, let me take my best student, come here. Let me, tell me this, tell me this, tell me about this, tell me about this. And he gives all the best answers. It's Jibreel is bragging. Look how good my student has become. SubhanAllah. It's such a beautiful relationship that they have. Furthermore, this is to teach you about your deen. Therefore, that means that deen is encompassing what? Islam, iman, and ihsan. All of this is encompassed in the deen, as well as the uh, signs of judgment day and so forth. Yes. Now, final point. This hadith teaches us the importance of what? The importance of teaching in a way that's not just a pure lecture, but that is both questions and answers, where there's a back and forth, where the audience is asking, where the teacher is asking questions and the audience is answering, and, and there's, there's interaction, right? It wasn't just a one-way lecture. Jibri didn't show up and say, okay, guys, let me start giving you a, a five-point, ten-point uh, you know, explanation. No, no. There was a conversation back and forth. And in that spirit, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to end now and open it up for comments and questions. If you can just, yeah, jazakallah khair. Uh, um, and hopefully, inshallah ta'ala, we can benefit from one another. And inshallah ta'ala, you all have comments and questions and uh, we can learn from each other. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa